Welcome back to the What The Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. Sunland are once again on the road this week as we make the journey to London to face a Millwall side who are having, shall we say, an interesting time of it lately. And to give us a lowdown on everything is returning guest, Alex Grace of the excellent That Millwall Pod. Alex, it's uh, your second, I was going to say performance on the show, I meant appearance, but how are you doing anyway? You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Yourself? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I mean, as it is, just to be clear to everyone, we're recording before... Your game's with it, your game with it, Twitch, and our game against Huddersfield. So if people think I sound a little bit six out of ten, shall we say, that's because I don't know if we beat Huddersfield yet. Um <laughs> and we have just lost against Plymouth. But let's sort of kick straight off with it. I said it's been interesting. I think to be fair, it's been turbulent um in Millwall recently. I think you've lost three 0 at home, you've won four 0 away, your manager's departed. So I think the biggest news out of that is obviously Gary Rowett's gone. And I remember speaking a few times to Millwall fans last year, obviously when we signed Ballard and stuff like that. And um, look, we'll get into that crazy day last year, but it seemed like he was relatively well-liked at Millwall. Obviously he's gone. So so what went wrong and, and how did it end up in his sacking? I think um, anyone outside of the club would have been quite surprised um, to see Gary go. Um, those of us associated with the club um, not too surprised um, the journey had run its course um, yeah he'd, he'd done four years um, the heartbreak I think of losing to Blackburn and in the way that it happened I think that just took so much out of him um, yeah I think it's there's a common thing where people have said that he was sacked he wasn't sacked um he made the he made the decision himself he he decided that it was time for him to move on uh, that he'd done enough or he'd done the best job that he could do over that period of time and to be fair to him you know four top half finishes um you can't fault that you know the one disappointment he will have is is not being able to uh, to take the wall in into those playoff places when really they they should have done it last year. You know, they were certainties for a long time. Uh, and then I just had a terrible, a terrible run at the end of the season. I think they suffered with a bit of a burnout, to be honest. And then that capitulation against Blackburn just summed it all up. I do feel bad sort of mentioning it, but like, look, I was at Preston on that final day and I think we said at half time we went, look, let's just win the game and enjoy ourselves. Like we we're not really expecting to get in the playoffs here. It was unexpected at the time. And then Millwall, as you said, just capitulated. Um, look, it was great for us. I imagine it's completely gut wrenching for Millwall. But how much did that affect Millwall as a club and, and did the hangover enter the new season, especially with Gary Rowett? You kind of indicated it might have done there. Yeah, I think it might have done. Um I think if you look at our our start wasn't it wasn't an easy start you know I think the first three games we had to go away to Borough um, home to Bristol City and away to Norwich you know it's three tough games to start your season alright we got the win on on the opening day you know that was a a Borough side suffering from the players they'd lost you know the likes of Archer and Stefan and um, Akpom had all gone um, and they had to really get used to a new a new team because quite a lot of those players uh, were on loan last season. They weren't able to keep them. Um, we lost at home to Bristol City. That was a real disappointment, one of the lot, I think. 
you know, that one because it was a day where they honoured the chairman because the chairman died um, over the course of the summer in an unfortunate accident. Um, and then, you know, a really, really poor performance at Norwich. And that really, I think, was probably the point when Gary Rowett decided he wasn't going to stay after that. You know, he had a bit of a a bite back at the fans who had given him a bit of grief and and stuff like that. And I think after that, it was always going to be very difficult for him to stay. And, um, and so it proved, because I think that was the end of his relationship with the fan base. And unfortunately for him, um, he just couldn't seem to get things going again after that. And I think the the playoff hangover has come in. I think it has affected us. Um, some players, you know, like Tom Bradshaw and Z and Fleming, the two catalysts from last year, haven't got going yet this year. And that's that's probably the symptoms of why Mill aren't doing as well as many might have predicted them to be doing. I promise it's the last time I mentioned this game last season, but Southern fans will tell me off if I don't. But like I said before, I was at Preston and like there was a 10 minute spell where everything we hit went in the back of the net. Diallo scores like goal of the season and you're thinking blum and neck and then the second goes in then someone goes, hang on a minute. Like Blackburn just equalised and then because the first half felt very like Duncan Watmore scores twice. Of course he does. Yeah. And it felt like, well, this is going to be something where it's a bit of a damn squib. Let's just win the game and what will be will be you're getting towards the end of the game, the fourth one goes in and like I'll openly admit it's one of the best away days like I've ever had in seasons, if maybe ever, because it was fantastic in the way that happened. But there's always an opposite side to that. Normally it's Sunderland. This time it was it was Millwall. But how was it for you the opposite way around? Was it kind of one of those games where you're always going to reference as typical Millwall? You know, one of those games that every fan base has. I think... Even at half time, the scoreline was three one at half time, you know, and we were thinking it was always in the back of our minds, you know, if Blackburn score one, it's gonna get extremely nervy. Yeah, and I've got to say, Blackburn gifted us three goals. They were I don't know what had happened to them, but they gifted us those three goals. And we just begun to to start looking a bit ropey, a bit um what's the word, fragile, and had, and as soon as they scored, you knew what was going to happen. It was just one of those, you could sense it coming, and it would be um, Ben Ben Burton-Diaz in his final game would score the goal that meant um, that we wouldn't get in the playoffs. And he he, he loved playing Millwall, he always scored against Millwall, and, and just Blackburn as a whole, they're a team that Millwall don't beat either. Um, so you just you just knew what was going to happen basically um, yeah it was a painful one um, it did hurt for a little while after it I must say opposite for us but there is Luton Town after all I guess so um, <laughs> yeah, well, Luton. yeah Luton um, moving on new things obviously you've appointed a new head coach which I know very little about if I'm honest Um First full-time job is the main man. He's been at Everton and Chelsea as like under 18, under 23, assistant manager. He's had a short spell in charge with England under 20s in interim charge, I think. Um, tell us a bit more about him and, and obviously your first impressions. I know he's only been there like two weeks or something, but what have you you took so far? Um, he's a very good talker. Um, you know, from the dealings I've had with him, I have had a few dealings with him. Um, 
And yeah, I have to say he's 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 top class. Um, he's very very easy to talk to. Um, answers the questions honestly. Uh, yeah, I spoke. Yeah, I've, I spoke to him after the four 0 win at Sheffield Wednesday, and then I spoke to him again on on Saturday after the three 0 defeat to Coventry. Um, and he understands what he's come into, and he's very honest in terms of what he wants to do and where and where he wants to take the football club. Um, he wants to change the playing style wants to evolve the playing style make it a more attractive style of play um, which a lot of Millwall fans were really happy to hear because they wanted to see um, this change they wanted to see the team play in a way that's more dynamic um, more attacking Um, if you look at Gary's style it was cautious. It was defence first. It was, let's not lose. Um, not, let's not win, but let's not lose the game rather than than trying to necessarily go out to win games, especially away from home. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. You know, I think it's a, it, it's a similar model to what Kieran McKenna is at Ipswich. Um, it's a, you know, it's a similar style. Um, Again, a young a young head coach, and they're trying to follow that model. I think, but you've seen a lot of EFL clubs have gone down that route now. Um, you know, I think if you look at um, uh, Oxford, have just appointed um, a manager from the MLS, who is very highly regarded amongst the City group um, and Leicester as well with Enzo Maresca. So Burnley with Vincent Company. So you, it's a it's a model that's coming across and a model that seems to have been quite successful for, for quite a lot of clubs. It's just as to whether um, it's not going to happen overnight. And the good thing you get at Millwall is you, you get time. You know, you don't get it at a lot of clubs these days, but what they do at Millwall is they're always prepared to give you time. Um, they gave Gary time. They gave Neil Harris time before him. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting period for Millwall. Um, he's got his work cut out, I think, a bit, Edwards, because he's limited now with the players he's got, um, are the ones he's got to work with, of course, and whether they will be able to transition into that style as quickly as he would hope uh, will be an interesting thing to see. It feels like not a very Millwall appointment. Now, you know Millwall better than I ever will, mm. but I mean, just looking to sort of previous managers, you've got, I kind of remember Ian Holloway being there, Gary Rowell, yeah. obviously, is one of them. Um, Neil Harris is obviously part of it. Mm-hmm. There's managers in there that, you know, Dennis Wise back back in the days, I remember. Um, whereas this feels very, very forward thinking, not in the sense that Rowell and, and, and whatnot weren't, but it's, it's taking the risk on a young manager and doing something a little bit different. Is that being really well received by mobile fans or would you prefer someone with a, a steadier pair of hands or, or do you feel like you've done that and you've tried and it's not worked? Well, it it was between Edwards and Nathan Jones um, f- for the job. Um, then obviously it was Edwards who was given the go-ahead. Um, I think it's quite a bold, brave appointment, personally. Um, I think it's quite interesting it it doesn't come without risks of course it doesn't um you know but you're throwing someone in who's never managed it at, or been 
a standalone manager. Um, but we had that with Neil Harris. You know, he wasn't a standalone manager before then. Obviously, he had the backing because of being a club legend and and stuff like that. But you still look at it and you think, well, all right, it, it's a risk, but he's got a good level of senior pros at the club. Um, he's got people that understand the club there as well. You know, the coaching staff in, um, you've got the likes of Jake Cooper, Sean Hutchinson, you know, Tom Bradshaw, Ryan Leonard, they're all players have been there a long time, you know, but playing under only their third manager. So, you know, if you think Harris did, I think nearly five years, Gary did four years, you know, so it's a club that gives time. Um, and it's very rare that they would bring in a manager if they didn't believe in the process that they were trying to do and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've seen times with Mill where they've appointed managers who perhaps they like the idea, but weren't solely convinced on it. You know, if you think back to the Steve Lomas appointment, you know, everyone's sort of very strange. You've appointed a, an ex-West Ham captain. It, it was never going to go down well with the fan base. The Ian Holloway appointment at the time, you know, was one that everyone thought would work. And then I don't know. I, I, I don't know what was wrong with that guy. I, don't, I really don't know what happened to him. He, he I think he just lost it. I, he completely lost it. Um, you know, at times you end up with playing with five strikers on the pitch or something like that, and you're losing three nil. It, it it just didn't go to plan. I don't know what happened to him. Um, but no, it, it's it's not a traditional Millwall appointment. You're right with that, um, and it's definitely a risk. But I think it's one that the fans welcome, and it's certainly one that I welcomed. Looking at these first two games, look, you can't judge anything from the first two games at all. Like, I think it would be completely unfair for any Millwall fan, let alone a Sunderland fan, to assume what happened. But contrast and start, 4-0 win at Sheffield, 3-0 defeat yeah. home to Coventry, both sides struggling. Um, probably the most interesting one from a Sunderland perspective is, is the home game and the most recent one because obviously we're playing you away from home. Um, I kind of looked at it and I thought, well, maybe just one of those games. But then, you know, I looked at the start that you've had and in terms of your home games, the Den's a difficult place to go. I remember getting a point last year and I was like, brilliant, that'll do. You know, nick a point, like head off home. But you've lost six of your first nine games at home. I think, yeah. look, I don't have the stats, but I know it was one of the toughest places to go last season. What's gone wrong with the home form? It's been all year. It's been since the turn mm. of the year. Um, I think we've won six games at home um, in 2023. We've, it's just not... It's been very difficult. Um, I remember playing Sunderland. That was the highest attendance at the ground, I think, since 2005 or something like that. Um, and that, I have to say, was a cracking game. Um, you know, I think it was Dennis Serkin got the equaliser for Sunderland. He got knocked out, I think, by uh, He was out George for weeks Long. after that as well. He was out for absolutely yeah. weeks. It was that uppercut, wasn't it? <laughs> he got absolutely <laughs> pounded by George Long. Uh, uh, George Long, don't even start me on George Long. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's... It, it, it's. I don't understand what's going on with the home form. I really don't know. Um, again, it used to be a very, very difficult place to come. Um and it it will get back to that level, I'm sure, at some stage. But um, in terms of what's gone on this year, we've 
you know, we lost to Huddersfield, I think, towards the end of last season. That's when the real bad run begun. Uh, we got Warnocked, is what uh, is how I described um, that game. Got completely Warnocked. Um, you know, we lost one to Birmingham. We absolutely battered them for 19 minutes, but couldn't score. And they scored and won the game. Blackburn, obviously, the last day, uh, we lost that one. Um, and then our first home game of this season was in the Carabao Cup, I think it was, against Reading. And they tore us apart. We lost 4-0. Um, lost the Bristol City game. Um, and I, I don't know, it become quite difficult, I think, there wasn't, it was hard to get the fans going uh, because Gary reverted back to a back five uh, for the start of this season and the fans didn't take to it. They didn't take to it. They got frustrated quite quickly. And and look, once you go behind, it's very difficult because you've then got to get the fans going. The players have got to get the fans going. Um, and it, it it's just gone wrong. It has all gone very, very wrong. It's just been very easy for teams to come to the den and win. You know, if you silence the crowd at the den, you've done half the job. And that's and that's exactly what most teams have done this year. You know, they've come there, they've known how to silence the crowd and that breaks the influence out. And it's it's difficult to really get going. And it, look, if you're 2-0 down, all right, you score one, the, the fans can power it can power you back in but the other problem is for Mill they just haven't looked like scoring goals so that's the problem as well because of the start that you've had I think before the season like if I'd spoke to you before the season I, I imagine you would have said look let's try and go for the playoffs again because that's historically where you've been the past sort of four years you're not anywhere near there at the moment don't get me wrong you're not really near relegation although it is the championship and things can change within three games or so but from a fan base I don't know, I'm maybe assuming this and everyone's different, but I, you said before about Millwall being patient. I find you, your fan base is quite patient. Um, Generally, yeah. Has your expectations like realigned? Is it now just a case of staying well clear of relegation, the seven to nine points that you are, finding your rhythm and this new style of playing with the new boss and, and rebuilding under the new manager, whereas this season's kind of a just solidifying, stay clear of relegation and find the positives from the games that we've got left? Is, is that the expectation now? Yeah, look, I think we're always a second half of the season team. Uh, we don't tend to start well anyway. Um, and then we tend to come on strong at the end of the season. But obviously now with the new manager and the way he wants to play and, and stuff like that, it, it's going to take a period of time for him to get his philosophy across, um, for him to get the players that he wants to get in as well. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Look, I, I, I'd settle for a, a quiet season. I really would settle for that. I, I wouldn't mind having um, a, a mid-table, solid campaign, um, as long as we're not involved in the battle down the bottom. And look, I think this year, I think a lot of teams are going to be having a sigh of relief because they're. I think the bottom three. Uh, they are pretty poor. I mean, we've played Sheffield Wednesday. They were poor. We played Rotherham. They were absolutely shocking when they came to the den. Um, we beat them 3-0. We went to Hillsborough and won 4-0. And I think they were worse than Rotherham. It's dreadful, those two. 
the QPR, you've got to wait and see how it goes with the new boss. But I did see they won last night. Um, but I, I don't think they're good enough. I think, I think the rest of the championship is probably having a big like wish to think or a big sigh of joy that they that, that they're not going to get pulled into it. You know, I think there's four teams maybe. There's those three, and I don't think Huddersfield look great. So those four, for me, are probably the four that are going to be down the bottom. But you can never guess in 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 the championship. I, I know Rotherham are looking for a new manager, and I know Neil Warnock's out of work. So you never know um, how, how that can go. But no, I think any Millwall fan, I think they'll be happy just for a quiet season for once. We don't seem to have many of them, so I think they'd be all right with that. We fancied a quiet season last season and then, well, we all know what happened in the end, but I'll take that one, I guess. But um, yeah, I was going to mention about Huddersfield then so they don't look too strong and remembered we're playing them in a couple of hours, so I'll keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> another big point of interest is two names I haven't actually seen for a while, probably since last season, but I'll ask anyway. Um, Duncan Watmore, George Honeyman, both spent many years at Sunderland. One came through our academy, one captained us. They've been with you about a year, well, Honeyman over a year, Watmore since January. What's been the impression? Both of them actually uh, are quite interesting players. Um, George was out, he got injured in a pre-season friendly at, uh, at Gillingham. Um, and missed quite a, a big chunk of the start of the season. Uh, he came in at Sheffield Wednesday, I think it was, and he was very good up there. Um, you know what you're going to get from George Honeyman. You know he's a full-blooded player. He's he gives he gives his all. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, you'd like to think he could give a little bit more going forward. Um, you have to think there's a bit more of an end product from him um, but he's a he's a player that works well at Millwall because he gives his heart he gives his passion and everything like that and that's what the fans like to see um, Duncan Watmore he suffers really bad with injuries doesn't he you know he really does suffer with injuries um, he he came on actually on on Saturday and, and he should be able to to feature tonight uh, at Ipswich with a bit of luck um, but I like Duncan Watmore you know I think he's someone who if he's fit and gets a run of games um, he he can be very very good um, I think the best game he's had this season was um, away to Plymouth actually which was Gary's last win uh, he was outstanding there and then he scored in the following game against Hull and then he got injured celebrating the goal Um so, other than that, we've not seen an awful lot of him, which is uh, a real shame because I think he's a player that if he can get a run, he's a very, very good talent. Um, and he's someone that would be quite good at this level if um, if he gets regular going time. Yeah, you know, he, he should he should have flourished at potentially a high level. Some, some of the fans won't agree with me on that. Obviously, did all right for us in the Premier League and a pretty bad team and then does his ACL twice. And I think it's... I think those injuries have kind of fallen him a little bit. Um, it's hard to come back. So it's, it's good to see him getting some minutes. Um, but I think that is going to follow him for a long time. There, there was one player that I think will actually have more attention than both of those players I've just mentioned. And I don't actually know whether he would play or not. But there seems to be, and we all know why, 
but a little bit of needle between a certain Alex Pritchard and, and Millwall fans um, since he did his yeah. West Ham celebration, I think you would call it. Um, is he in yep. for a rough ride again this Saturday if he gets in? I, I imagine he would be, yes. Um, I think it'll always be remembered. Um, and what Millwall fans do, they don't forget. They don't, and they do hold grudges. Um, so, yeah, he's not someone who's very popular in SE16, and I don't think he'll uh, be getting away with uh, not 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 knowing that he's at the den, put it this way. Um, although I believe he got the assist for Sirkin's goal. He um, did, he did. Um, so that quietened the crowd a little bit, but no, no, I think he'll get a bit of a... Uh, a bit of grief. Um, but that's what football's about, isn't it? You know? Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he's the type of player that quite likes to get the fans up and rolling, doesn't he? So, you know, it, it's um, it's all part of the game, isn't it? Funny you mentioned about um, not forgetting and holding a grudge. Does any Sunderland fans old enough to remember, I still really hate Casey Keller. Um, long story, mid-90s, but I still really <laughs> hate him. Got Don Goodman sent off in a Coca-Cola cup and I have not forgiven to this day. Don Goodman. Now, Don Goodman doesn't like Millwall either. He absolutely no. hates Millwall. Um, I think he got, I, I might remember him saying he got injured. and It might have ended his career or something like that. I think he just hates um, Casey Keller still. I think it's a Casey Keller thing. He's similar mindset to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he does not like Millwall. I have to say, you never hear him say a good word about Millwall. Um, I, I, I always worry as and when he's on the commentary for Millwall because we usually lose if he's on um, no but he's been with Sky for years mm-hmm. Don Goodman he's been about for so long I think they were saying he, like because they did a playoffs preview show which I begrudgingly watched um, last season and um, yeah I think he was saying it was his either his 10th or 12th year doing the playoffs Ridiculous. yeah it's been quite a while for Don tells you how old I am that I remember him as a footballer unfortunately Um <laughs> Looking at Sunderland, look, I, I think not knowing tonight's result, of course, we've been solid if inconsistent, no matter the result tonight, actually, to be honest. But I know we've been on the TV a lot this season. I know this because I've had to travel down to home matches far too early from Glasgow. But from what you've seen of us, what have you you made of Sunderland? Do you kind of what you expected or, or better or worse? I thought it was always going to be an interesting season for Sunderland because of, I think last year was an overachievement. Um, I think most Sunderland fans would agree. You know, look, they got in on the last day. Um, probably could have beaten Luton, really. You know, I think if they'd done better in the home leg, um, they'd have beaten Luton back in. Luton were... Uh, I'd be grudging. See, now, I didn't rate Luton. I don't they think were Luton were great. effective, though, weren't they? That was yeah. it. They were effective. Well, do you know... We let them away twice because we played them at their place and we were 2-0 up. And then they, Tom Lockyer in particular, got away at the den with two penalties he should have given um, away and he managed to get away with those. Um, but I, I, have to, I didn't think they were great, Luton, um, but they did what they had to do. You know, that word effective. Um, Sunderland, look, I think they're you look at the young talent they've got as well, you know, it's the worry is if they don't get up to the Premier League is they'll lose a lot of those, those players. Um, you know, I thought they'd struggle when Ross Stewart left. Um, 
I was a bit worried for them then. But then if you look at how they've played, you know, they play very good. Um, I think Tony Mowbray is a is a very solid manager at this level. Um, I was surprised when he went there, I have to say. Um, but you can't fault the job he's done. Um, I think he's done a terrific job. Um, but he did a very good job at Blackburn as well. So we shouldn't be surprised with the job he's done. Um, but I like the likes of Jack Clark. You know, I think he's a very, very good player. Um I think Leeds will ever will forever regret letting him go when they let him go to Tottenham. Um because he's a, a quality talent. Um and and he's shown a lot of a lot of a lot of teams that this is. But I did see, am I right in saying that there was a was it a fifteen year old or a sixteen year old scored a winner for Sunderland earlier in the season or something like that? Chris Rigg got the fifth goal in a five 0 win over Southampton. Um, yeah. He was born in something like 2007 or something strange it's like that. Terrifying. Never mention that yeah. to me ever again. We're talking about age and I feel very <laughs> old now. But yes, he's only only 16 and, and Jude, uh, Job, sorry, Jude, very different. Um, just Job, turned I, I, he's 18. very good as well. Yeah. Mm, he's very, very good as well. I mean, I think they made some very good signings. Um, and they've got a good manager to bed those players in. No, I've been very, very impressed again with how they've done with such a young squad. Last but not least, as always, the thing I always get consistently wrong, I don't even know why I bother, is predictions. Um, oh, God. I don't even know what Millwall we're going to face, because to me, in my head, Millwall's a tough away game. Then you look at the games you've had, and you've been stuffed 3-0 at home some games, like not just on Saturday. Um, I think it's the third game we've lost 3-0 at home this season. Um, Leeds, Swansea and Coventry, yeah. Three sure. games. It should make me feel more confident, but our away form has flipped from what it was last year, where we were great away from home, quite poor at home. We're now pretty decent at home and haven't won in four away from home. I don't think we scored in three. So I'll take, uh, I'll go 1 1. And I think I'd probably take that if I'm honest with you. I would take a 1 1 draw. Um, I'd take anything. A, a point at home uh, would be would be good. I'd take a point. Um, you know, to have only had seven points from from nine home games is um, yeah really poor um, I think a lot of it will depend on how we do tonight um, up at Ipswich but no I I would go along with a 1-1 draw um, I think both teams as you say are not great in their respective home and away so no I think a draw would be a fair result um, and I think also there'll be a decent a decent sized crowd there as well um, we've not tended to do very well in front of sell out crowds at home um, so but you know that Sunderland will bring an army they always do you know a terrifically well supported team and they always make noise um, and I think hopefully I hope the Millwall fans turn up as well because I think that'll be a decent game um, what I will say is it'll be a good game to win Um mm. You know, there's history with the two teams. You think back to, you know, I saw one, I'm sure, for Sunderland fans is 2004. Yeah. So, um, Him, I bloody Cahill. <laughs> do you know, I think we've done you three times that season as well. Yeah, we won you both the league games. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and the FA Cup semi-final. So, no, no, it'd be, um, I'd quite like, I'd quite take a draw, definitely take a draw. Um, so, Yes, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to partner with you on 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 one one. 
Alex, thanks for joining us always, mate. Always good crack. No problem. I managed to not mention it too much at the end, but I did mention <laughs> it quite a bit at the start, so thank you for letting me off. But um, Alex, if anyone wants to find, obviously, that Millwall podcast, it is a really good podcast, and obviously Sunderland fans yep. might think, why well, do I want to listen to a Millwall podcast? But it is really good. There's a reason that a lot of people listen to it outside of Millwall. Um, where can we find it? Uh, you can find it on at that Millwall pod uh, on Twitter um, and on Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. And I would thoroughly recommend following the Twitter page, actually, because whoever runs it's actually relatively witty and quite funny and self-depreciating, and that's uh, my kind of my kind of shtick. It is good, the guy that runs it. I have to say, he's uh, he is top notch with how he runs it. Very, very good. Alex, thanks very much. Privilege.